Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I want to read you a little poem. Mary had a little lamb. He cleanses white as snow. And everywhere that sinners went, the lamb was sure to go. He followed us to earth one day. We treated him so cruel. But there amidst the straw and hay lay the Father's greatest jewel. And if you ask who on earth is Mary's little lamb, the answer, he's almighty God, the eternally I am. And if you asked why he stooped to leave heaven for a stall, the little lamb for sinners came and was slaughtered for us all. So if you know that you are sinful, here's one more thing to know. Mary had a little lamb. He cleanses white as snow. And for this half hour program, we're just going to zero in on four words. Mary, had, past tense, little, and then the word lamb. Let's pray first. Father, if anyone is watching this show and they do not yet grasp that Jesus is the Lamb of God, slaughtered, put to death for our sins, may that person come to have their faith in the Lamb of God. And Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would just open our ears and hearts, open my lips, and speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. The first word is Mary. There's a saying Catholics make too much of Mary, Protestants too little. I think there's truth to that. So the question is, what exactly does the Bible teach about Mary? Was she perfect? Well, the Bible never says that. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, Mary calls God my Savior. So I think Mary knew she was a sinner who needed a Savior. Was Mary ever virgin? Was she always a virgin? Well, she was definitely a virgin when she gave birth to the baby Jesus. But after that, it talks about Mary and Joseph having other children. Now, the Catholics teach that that's really a reference to cousins. But the word is, Jesus, your brothers and sisters are here. Is Mary the mother of God? Well, you know, that is accurate. Jesus is God, and Mary was his earthly mother. So in that sense, she was the mother of God. Is Mary to be honored? Well, she is. She says in Luke chapter 1, Henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. So she is to be honored because Mary, even though she's not perfect, she's a wonderful role model. I mean, just think about what she went through. Here's this young woman and the angel shows up. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I can't have a baby. I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And, and, and Mary's response was, okay, be it done to me according to your word. And Mary humbly submitted her life to God. I want to encourage you to let Mary, whether you're male or female, be your role model. 
Just humbly submit to whatever God is telling you to do. The word Madonna is Italian for mother and has always been a reference to the Virgin Mary. Sadly, there's another Madonna in our culture. Recently, the rock star Madonna gave a concert in Minneapolis. According to the newspaper review, she had nuns dressed in scanty clothing writhing on these crucifixes, these big stripper poles with crucifixes at the top. And then she had a mock orgy on top of a Last Supper-like table. And I just want to say to the, the young women watching this show, there are two Madonnas. You can follow the real Madonna, the Virgin Mary. She would tell you, be a virgin until you're married. Wait till you're married. And if you've blown it, ask God's forgiveness and get back to purity. Or you can follow the other Madonna who says, do whatever you want to do sexually and nurse to God. Following the first Madonna will lead to heaven. Following the second Madonna will lead to hell. Mary. Next word, had, past tense. Mary had a little lamb. He's not a little lamb anymore. You know, my guess is the most crowded week in your church every year is Christmas. And my concern for people that only go to church on Christmas is this. They never get the baby out of the manger. You got to come back to church the rest of the year. He grew up. He did miracles. He preached. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence you shall come to judge the living and the dead. In other words, when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as a baby. He's not coming down in diapers. He's coming down as the living Lord and judge of the universe. You know, I don't think God cares too much what you think of the baby Jesus. God wants to know, what are you doing with the grown-up Jesus who died for your sins, rose from the dead, and who says to you, follow me. What you do with Jesus, the true living Lord of the universe, determines where you spend eternity. Have you ever seen the t-shirt some people wear? Only God can judge me. I saw another t-shirt recently. It said, people who say only God can judge me forget one day he will. <laughs> Mary had. He's not a little baby anymore. When he comes down at the second coming, he's coming down as the Lord of the universe. Mary had, next word, a little. Little. Let's talk about big for a moment. <laughs> Have you ever thought of this? How big God is? In the beginning, God rolled up his sleeves and God took a lump of clay and he looked at the clay and he rolled out a few balls of clay threw them into space to create the heavens and the earth and then he took one of those little balls called the earth and he took his little fingernail and God carved out the great depths of the oceans he carved the heights of the Himalayas he flicked the dust from his fingers more stars filled the skies he looked again at the earth. He filled the crevices with water and every kind of swarming, swimming creature. He populated the land with all kinds of vegetation and all kinds of animals that you can imagine. And all in the palm of his hand, God maintains all the galaxies, all the solar systems, all the planets that spin throughout infinite, infinite, eternal space. Now, is God big enough for your problem? <laughs> God is big. Big, 
But one day, about 2,000 years ago, God got little. He crammed himself into a little baby's body, and he walked on earth for 33 years. C.S. Lewis said this, Imagine squeezing yourself down into the shell of a snail, and you'll get an idea of what it must have been like for God to become a human. I don't know if it's a true story, but there is a story that in the 1800s, Queen Victoria of England wanted to get a feeling of what her people experienced. So she put off her royal robes, dressed in a shabby clothing, and walked through a village. While she walks through this village, a little boy comes up and starts making fun of this overweight queen. And after she left, one of the soldiers came up, little boy, you just insulted the Queen of England. And he said, well, if she's the queen, she should dress like a queen. <laughs> you know, when Jesus came down to earth, people didn't know he was God. I don't think Mary knew this was, she knew he was the Holy One of God. She had gotten that word, but that this baby in her lap was actually the God of the universe. I don't think Mary got that. I don't think the disciples got that till after the resurrection and finally Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's when it dawned on them. And that teaches me, you can be around Jesus for a long time and not get who he is. I was teaching once on the Trinity years ago, and this old man put up his hand, what do you mean Jesus is God? I said, well, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the eternal God, the Son who reigned. Oh, and, and, and you mean he existed before he was born in Bethlehem? I said, yes, he was eternally God with the Father and the Spirit. And this man, I think he was in church all his life, never quite got that Jesus is the eternal God. I mean, in Bethlehem, God became little. But before he got little, Jesus was eternally God with the Father and the Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. One God, three equal and eternal persons. Next word. Mary had a little last word, lamb. I remember years ago I was teaching confirmation and this 12-year-old boy says, Pastor Brock, are there sheep in heaven? <laughs> I thought, what on earth? I said, no. He said, well, I've been reading the book of Revelation. There's a lamb up there. <laughs> and then I got what he meant. The, Jesus is the lamb of God in heaven. So let's explain what this means. What does it mean when the Bible calls Jesus the lamb of God? There's symbolism going on. And here's what, what the symbolism is. In the Old Testament, B.C., if I was a Jew and I sinned, I'd take a lamb to the temple, I'd confess my sins, they'd kill the lamb, and I would be forgiven. It's like the lamb takes my punishment so that I could be forgiven. We don't kill lambs anymore because Jesus came down from heaven. He was slain. He had no sin of his own. He was the spotless lamb of God. So he could pay for our sins. When he was crucified, our sins are forgiven. We don't have to kill lambs anymore. Over in Europe, hundreds of years ago, they were building a tall cathedral. One of the workmen slipped and fell over the roof, and they knew he was dead because it was a very tall cathedral. The workmen scurried down to the bottom to find their co-worker shaken, but walking. And what had happened was a shepherd was driving his flock of sheep in front of him next to the cathedral, 
the man landed on one of the sheep. It killed the sheep, but the man was saved. <laughs> In fact, the story goes that they put a statue of a lamb on top of that cathedral. When we say Jesus is the Lamb of God, what we mean is, I'm a sinner, I deserve God's wrath. Jesus slips in between God and I. Jesus takes the, la the, the, the wrath of God. He, he dies so I could be forgiven, and now we're saved. And I will tell you, the thing you talk to people about if you want them to convert, you don't bring up Adam and Eve or Noah and the ark or Jonah and the whale. You go right to the Lamb of God. And I'll give you an example. Years ago, I get on the plane. And there's an older man sitting next to me who's rather nervous. And the plane takes off. And the second he can do it, stewardess, I'd like a drink. And he orders some liquor. And he's sitting there with his glass. And he turns to me. And I was young back then. He says to me, well, young man, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> I remember he looked at his drink and he said, this always happens to me. My mother is a Christian. She's always praying for me. So I was able to talk to him about the Lamb of God. And I said, well, you know, let me just explain what the most important thing is for me. I am a sinner and I deserve God's wrath. And he stops me. He says, wait a minute, you're a pastor. I said, I know, but I'm also a sinner and I deserve hell. But God loved me so much that God became a human being, lived the perfect life that I couldn't, died on the cross to pay for my sins, rose from the dead. And the promise is that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. And we spent a long time on that flight talking about the Lord. You know what he said to me before? He was a professional fisherman. He takes out groups to do fishing in Wisconsin. He says to me, you know, if, if I take you out and give you a free day of fishing, will you talk to me more about these things? And I said, I sure would. I gave him my phone number. He never called. But I pray for him now and then. The thing you talk to if someone, if you want someone to convert, you don't go into how many animals were in the ark. You go right to the Lamb of God. Do you know that you're a sinner? Christ is the Lamb of God who died in your place to take away your sin. That's what will convert people. All right, let's review. Mary, she's not perfect, but she's a wonderful role model. Had, Jesus isn't a little baby anymore. He's the living ruler of the universe who will return to judge the heaven and the earth. Jesus, Mary had a little. God did become little. God actually took on a human body in Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. God, Mary had a little lamb. He's the one who paid for your sins so you don't have to kill lambs anymore. And I'll close with this. Mary had a little lamb. He grew to 33. And though this lamb had not one spot, they nailed him to a tree. For he was paying the penalty to take away my sins. And if you trust this little lamb, eternity begins. Mary had a little lamb. He still cleanses white as snow. What you do with this little lamb determines where you go. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, where did lamb come from in the Bible? Where was it <coughs> lamb of God? Well, there's two lambs in the Old Testament. There's the temple lambs where you go to the temple and confess your sins and, and the lamb would be sacrificed. For, for your forgiveness. 
But then there was the Passover lamb, Jackie. Okay, and can you explain the yeah, Passover lamb? About 13, 1400 BC, the Jews okay. were in bondage as slaves in Egypt. God wants to get them out of Egypt into the promised land. Moses leads them over, but God has to hit the, the, the Egyptians with plagues. Finally, the last plague, Pharaoh says, you can get out of here, Jews. The last plague was all of the firstborn Egyptian sons were going to be killed. So the angel of death is coming over Egypt, killing all the firstborn sons. <clears throat> But God had told Moses, for the Jews, kill a lamb, take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost, and the angel of death will pass over the Jewish houses. So they did that, and, and they, they escaped, because all the uh, Egyptians said, get these people out of here. They escaped, and, and every year then, the Jews were to celebrate the Passover lamb, the lamb whose blood caused the angel of death to pass over their firstborn sons. We now, instead of having Passover, Christians don't celebrate Passover, because we have a new Passover lamb. Jesus is the Passover lamb, and we have what's called Holy Communion. Which, Jackie, when Jesus gave the Last Supper, that was a Passover meal he was celebrating, but he turned it into Holy Communion because he was becoming the real Passover lamb. So there is not really a verse that calls Jesus the Lamb of God? Oh, there's, yes, there are. Okay, In fact, what are some of the well, verses? Well, John chapter 1. John the Baptist sees Jesus walking along and he says to his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God okay. who takes away the sins of the world. All right, so it is documented. Yeah. Okay. So, you talked about the Passover lamb. Does that mean that Christians should celebrate the Passover like the Old mm -hmm. Testament commands? Well, you know, some churches have what they call the Passover Seder, and they kind of reenact the Passover that the Jews celebrate, and there's symbolism in that Old Testament story to what Jesus does for us in the New Testament. So I don't think it's wrong to have a Passover Seder lamb, uh, uh, Seder overnight, but for, uh, for Christians, Passover has become the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. Well, you know, and I guess the thing is, is that the Jews, though, don't accept Christ mm -hmm. on a regular basis, right? right? Mm -hmm. So should we be honoring that tradition? That's well, you know, uh, just because the Jews reject it doesn't mean that we can't accept it. You know, there are Christian Jews. They're called Messianic Jews. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's Jews for Jesus. So some Jews are believers in Christ, but overwhelmingly, you're right, Uh, most Gentiles aren't believers. Most Jews aren't believers in Christ. But nothing's wrong with, because somebody doesn't want to celebrate something. I mean, I don't celebrate <coughs> Passover, but okay. I'll go to a Passover Seder feast now and then. Yeah. All right. So Catholics pray to Mary. Mm -hmm. Mary is a saint, according yeah. to the Catholics, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Why do they pray to Mary? Mm -hmm. Well, my dad was Catholic. All right, and so the Catholic version on this is, Jackie, I can ask you to pray for something. Why can't I ask Mary or St. Jude or St. Thomas in heaven to pray? And, you know, it's kind of a nice thought, but the problem is it's nowhere in the Bible. In the Bible, the only person you pray to is God. You don't have anybody in the Bible praying to dead saints. And I know the saints aren't dead. I know they're in heaven alive. I don't know that the saints in heaven can see us on earth. I hope they can't. I think that would grieve them to see us. You know, whether they can or not, we don't know. We're never instructed to pray to a saint. 
Is that called interceding, isn't yes, it? Yes, interceding, but Jesus is our intercessor. Now, I can intercede for you in prayer, pray for your daughter's cancer if she has it. Or, you know, we can intercede for each other, and I don't doubt that maybe Mary and St. Peter and the saints are up in heaven praying for us on earth. I think that's a real possibility. Does that mean they can see us or that we are to pray to them? None of that is in the Bible. So there's been lots of people and places where Mary has been seen visions of Mary. Mm -hmm. Medjugorje. Medjugorje is yeah. one of them. Yeah, what Eastern do you Europe. think of those? Are they real or is well, that... You, yeah, you've got Fatima in Portugal. You've got uh, Medjugorje in Eastern Europe. You've got uh, Lourdes in France where supposedly Mary appears to people and gives them instructions. I, I, I've got to say, Jackie, I take that with a huge grain of salt. You know, I, I, I think we are to, I, I mean, it's, 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 the Old Testament tells us not to try to communicate with the dead. And I know Mary's not dead and my grandma's not dead either. They're all in heaven. I believe that. But, but we are not to try to, and you know, the Bible says Satan can appear as an angel of light. If you have an angel float into your bedroom tonight, Jackie, it could be an angel. It could be the devil. Satan can appear as an angel of light. So what do you do with these virgins of the uh, Virgin Mary? I take it with a huge grain of salt. I don't go over to Eastern Europe. I've got my Bible. That's my final authority, not supposed visions. Okay, Pastor Brock, if Jesus is God, who was he praying to when he was in the Garden of yeah. Gethsemane? I had somebody who sees this show write to me, and he does not believe Jesus is God. I don't know if he's Jehovah's Witness or what, but he says to me, what, was Jesus a ventriloquist throwing his voice to heaven? And the answer is the Trinity. There is only one God. There's not three gods, but in the Godhead are three distinct persons. God the Father who made us, Jesus who died for us, the Holy Spirit who lives in us. What was happening in Gethsemane? You had God the Son talking to God the Father. And how does that work? I don't know. I mean, you've heard the saying too. He who doubts the Trinity will lose his salvation. He who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind. And so I don't know how all this works, but we need to maintain Jesus as God. God the Father did not create Jesus. I mean, the, the body, Jesus' body, he didn't get till Bethlehem. But before Bethlehem, Jesus was eternally God with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. You know, that's the most difficult thing to try to explain because a child mm -hmm. cannot get that conception no. of a and And something that will help, but any, any analogy for the Trinity breaks down. So don't press this. But Jackie, you are a mother, you are a daughter to your mom, and you are a, a wife to your husband. There aren't three Jackies. There's one Jackie, but three persons. All right, uh, and same, same with us too, although that, that kind of breaks down if you press it too hard because God is always Father, Son, Holy Spirit for eternity. So, uh, or another way, ice is water, snow is water, steam is water. One substance, water, but three forms. Forms, yeah. okay, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, for people, especially if your child asks mm -hmm. you. Um, where does the Bible teach that Jesus is God? Is there a specific yes. verse that's 
If the Jehovah, good if the, one. Yeah, again, if the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door, they teach the Trinity is of the devil because the word is not in the Bible. And my response is, you're right, the word isn't. The concept of the Trinity, you can find the Trinity in the first chapter of the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth, the Father. The Spirit of God moved over to the face of the earth, of the waters, the Spirit. And God said, let there be light, and he speaks the word which turns out to be Jesus in John 1.1. 1, 1. So, um, but the clearest teaching that Jesus is God would be John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Just keep those three in mind. All New Testament. Yeah, and books. then you've got, this is what I bring up when Jehovah's Witnesses are at my door. Thomas said, after the resurrection, Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And Jesus doesn't say, whoops, did you make a mistake? I'm not God. He just says you should have believed it without seeing it. Okay, Pastor Rock, can you explain what's the difference between incarnation and reincarnation? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Christians believe what's called the incarnation. Karnas in Greek means flesh. We believe in the enfleshment of God, that God actually took on human flesh and his name was Jesus. That's called the incarnation, we believe in that. We reject a teaching called reincarnation, which is that people come back to earth as a cow or a horse and until they finally get it right, they're absolved into nothingness, nirvana. And, and we reject that because Hebrews chapter 9 says, it is appointed unto man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Jackie, you will not be coming to this planet as another person or as a cow in India. You're gonna, when you die, you'll go to heaven or hell. So that's reincarnation, which we reject. Okay, another question for you. Do you believe that we're actually in the end times now? Well, there are a lot of people that there, do. There are, and you know, technically, the Bible talks about us being in the end times ever since the resurrection of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that ushered in the end times. We've been in the end times for 2,000 years. Now your question is, are we in the end of the end times? <laughs> and only the Lord knows. Uh, but I've been burnt on this, Jackie. I remember back in 75, somebody saying, he said, I have a word from the Lord. that tra Tragedy's coming. Don't buy a new car. It's over. Well, nothing happened in 1975. Okay, yeah. so what will actually happen at the end? At the end, we hear trumpets. Jesus comes down in the clouds for every eye to see. All the dead are raised. We are judged. Those who trusted Christ go to heaven. Those who reject him go to hell. And then the earth melts, and we go to the new heavens and the new earth. In a nutshell. Now, we could talk about the Antichrist. That's going to happen, too, and all this other stuff. But that, in a nutshell, is what happens. Does all of Christianity except that yes. same thing. Yes, everybody as a Christian believes what I just said. We do have disagreements about what's called the millennium, Revelation chapter 20, or when's the, when is the Antichrist coming and when will the church be with, I believe we got, get caught up, the rapture happens when Christ comes down, not seven years before he comes down. So, the, But those things people can disagree on, but the basics that he returns, raises the dead, judges the world, and brings in the new universe, new heavens and the earth, th that every Christian believes. Well, we only have 20 seconds left, and we want to thank you for being with us this week. We hope that you've learned something new. I know I do every time I listen to Pastor Brock. Um, Pastor Brock, we're now expanding our ministry, and it's because of these people. And we just want to thank you for your continued support, and we pray that God would grant you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.